Welcome to This is Peace, the podcast of Peace Baptist Church located in Decatur, Georgia. On This is Peace, we're sharing all things peace, sermons, devotions, inspiration, and conversations at the intersection of faith and culture. At Peace Baptist Church, our mission is to make disciples and meet needs. Our number one goal is to help you seek, serve, and share God. Let's jump into today's episode. Lord, our presence today is a love note to you to say thank you. Because we know that there were so many things that could have kept us down, that could have kept us back. Riding on 285, I-20 on the highway, oh Father, the car could have swerved and hit us, Lord God. But somehow you kept them in their lane and us in our lane. And Father, if we didn't say thank you this week for getting us to our destinations, thank you, Lord. Lord, our heartbeat kept on going and we didn't have to keep time with it. We didn't have to do anything to get it to beat. Lord, you just have it on a rhythm. And we thank you. If we didn't tell you thank you for our health this week, thank you, Lord. Lord God, we don't have everything we want, don't have literally everything we need right now, but we know it's on the way. So even in anticipation, we say thank you, Lord. And most importantly, we thank you, Lord God, for salvation, for Jesus, for health in our spirit, for wholeness in our mind, for peace in our life. We give you thanks and praise for it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Have your way in our hearts today. We open up your word as we, Lord God, just to celebrate you, Lord God, in worship and in obedience, not just in hearing the word, but being doers of it. We thank you in advance for the outcome, for the blessing that will follow our obedience today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for every relationship we have. Those that are struggling, in relationship, Father, I pray that something said today that will help them. Those that are in a good, comfortable place today, I pray that we'll, we'll, we will encourage them, but also stir them up in places where they can even do better as they put their trust in you. We give you glory, honor, and praise for it now. In Jesus' eternal and matchless name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. High five your neighbor if you can. Tell them I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today with you. Amen. It's something blessed. I'm blessed just being in the same room with you. Amen. God is so good. We just got to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. I want to say thank you for those of us who went to whitewater rafting last uh, yesterday, got back safely. Come on, amen. Everybody is good. Amen. Everybody's safe. A few people fell in, but praise God, they got pulled out. Can you say amen? God is so good. We had a really good time. That's some of the pictures there. And uh, we just look forward to that. We are, we are an adventure church, amen. We jump out of airplanes. We go on crazy rivers. We climb mountains. Come on, somebody. We test our faith every year. Glory to God. And so we're thankful and grateful for God's grace. And we're so thankful. Glad our young at heart, our senior adult ministry, got back from Savannah. They were there all week, amen, touring um, Savannah. Had a really great time. About over 30, some of them went down and had a really wonderful time. And so we're thankful for them getting back. Everybody's got back safe as well. You just got to say thank you for those times, amen. And uh, we're so glad. Um, I'm also thankful today because my book is coming out. And just it, they sent me the first copies this week in the mail. This is it right here, it's hardback copy. It's gonna be used in, uh, to train churches and train individuals and Christians in how to reach their community in mighty ways. Tyndall House, a man uh, asked me to write this book. Uh, Tom Rayner, a man is our editor and he was gracious to be able to help, give me this opportunity to be able to write this book. And, and uh, I said, y'all, and they paid me before I wrote it. Come on, amen, amen. I, 
already paid me, sent me, gave me a, a signing bonus, and then when I finished the manuscript last year, uh, sent me another check. Somebody said, I like that. I keep on going. I got another book in me if you want to do that again. Amen. We'll repeat. Come on, somebody. And so it'll be out September the 5th is when it launches in Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, all the places where you get books, Lifeway, all the different places you can go to the website. So go on and pre-order your book. Amen. And uh, we're looking forward to it. I will be signing that weekend um, any copies that anybody wants. I'm giving this one. Um, this, is, this is number five. They sent me 10 books. Um, the publisher sent me 10 free ones that I have, or 10 down just to show me the book. And this is copy number five. Is Vivian in the house today? Where is Vivian? Is she here? Is she, she might be back in the back. She went back, okay. She, okay, she's not here, but this is her number five. I, number one goes, of course, to my wife, amen, and my mom and my kids, amen, get the others. But number five, book, amen, off the press is Vivian, amen, who I love so much, my assistant for 30 years. And so I, I signed this for her and looking forward to what the Spirit of God's going to do. Amen. So get your copy. It's a, it's a good book. I think it'll, I was reading some of the chapters. I said, I, I wrote that? I was surprised. I was like, that's actually really good. So it'll be, it'll be a, a, a wonderful read for those of you all. We're already doing that. Many of you who are part of this church, you're already doing community work. It's really written for churches and leaders um, that are really struggling after the pandemic. How do I reach my community? What do we do to make a difference? Taking the feeding of the 5,000 and showing how Jesus used those biblical principles to make a difference in the life of those people at that time. And we can do it in our time. And so we look forward to it. Also, I like to, I like to shout out new businesses and thank God for new businesses that are getting started uh, from members of our church. And uh, Cynthia Farrell Scott, amen. Where is Cynthia? Is she in the room? There she is in the back. She's ushering. Wave your hand and wave so everybody see you, amen. She's opening up to this Wednesday, uh, Doran's uh, Floral Boutique, amen. It's going to be at 879 South, South Stone Mountain, Lithonia Road in Lithonia. It's, she's a florist. She's going to be opening up her own, her own place. If you need flowers, if you need love, let me tell you, I know it's going to be put together, amen, by our sister. Cynthia's been a member of this church, I don't know how long, over 20 plus years, and she has just been such a faithful member, amen, and she, I'm, I, I just can't wait, so I'm going to go and bless her shop on Tuesday, we're going to pray and anoint it, amen, that God would bless it, so that Wednesday, it will be, amen, it'll be a wonderful place, amen, to be able to serve our community. Thank you, Cynthia, for doing this, amen, God is so good, amen, God is so faithful. Well, we do have a word for you today, and we're thankful for what God's doing in our series on um, the flex factor, how to be flexible in our relationships so that we can really have um, the relationship that we want and that, that, that we deserve and that God ordained for us to have in marriage, in friendships, in our parenting, in our, uh, in our relationships uh, with our parents, if you're a child, uh, in your friendships, in your church relationship, amen, on, on the job. We've been looking at relationships, and today we're going to really talk about I'm going to hit everybody. Come on. I, I call this message at 8 o'clock a hodgepodge message, amen, where I kind of I hit everybody. I'm, I'm taking the story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, and we're kind of jumping into that and looking at some principles that we can apply that apply to a whole lot of different places and spaces in our life. And so if you just follow me, it'll kind of make sense. And by the end, you'll see us and see how it lands. Um, but I, I think it'll hit everybody in the room, and, and if, whether you're divorced uh, getting married, married, um, engaged, single, glad you're single, amen, not looking, come on, amen, we're going to hit everything on today, and so we look forward, I've called this message, finding rhythm in relationships to avoid the blues, say it again, finding rhythm 
so you can avoid the blues. Come on, we don't want the blues. We want to know the rhythm. And God has allowed a rhythm to happen in the universe, in, in our world. He has set a rhythm. My daughter called me this morning, <clears throat> and she asked me a, a very good question that she knew she was going to get from her kids in their, um, in their children's church. Um, they, they, uh, we have children's church going on every Sunday, and they're talking about creation, the creation story today. She says, I know one of my kids are going to ask me this question. Um, um, how did God say, let there be light in day one and didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars until day four? You know, so you ask that, what? Because I know, what is that? I said, because God created light and, and he created light. He created, that was the rhythm. He created the rhythm of life, which is light and light. Um, and, and, I, and I did, I, this is nothing about the message. Let me just, since I opened the door, let me go in and finish it finish it out. <laughs> he said, let there be light. It was that which started. He started, he started life, the life cycle. He started the life rhythm, if you would. And, and light is, is that which brings life. At the core of every cell in an atom, even an atom, the smallest molecule we know in the human world is what? An atom, right? Do you know at the very core of an, of an atom, at the core of a nucleus, which is the middle of an atom, Amen. There is this light. At the, at the very center of an atom is light. Amen. That's what causes an atomic bomb. That when that light on the inside of that atom splits, it creates energy and light. That is what God created on the first day. He created life. He created light. He created, let there be light, 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 light. Not just light one time. That's the sun. That's the moon. That's the stars. Amen. Uh, but let there be light, 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 light the creative power of God to create a rhythm that all the world can dance to. Come on, that creates the flowers and the trees, the, the bugs and the bees, and everything that walks on two legs and flies with four wings, amen. God created it with light, 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 light. It's the energy of God's power, God's rhythm began because all began with him. In the beginning there was God and God began. And what we've got to do as believers is, is, is we've got to, oh, as, 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 as humans, and certainly as believers, and even as husband and wives, as couples, we've got to learn how to flow in that rhythm. That rhythm that began it all. Let there be light, 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 light. It's a dance, y'all. And I hope you hear the music of the Spirit. Come on, y'all, I hear it right now. Every time I preach, I hear the music of the Spirit. Every time somebody gets saved, they're, they're dancing up the aisle to the rhythm of the Spirit. Come on, amen. Because the Lord said, let there be light, 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 light. And that light, amen, leads all the way, amen, to God's peace, God's joy, God's eternal presence, uh, God's eternal reward. It's found in Christ, of course, amen. And so we thank God for that. And that's the rhythm that everybody's got to live to. And when you don't live by that rhythm, when you're not dancing by that tune, your life is out of balance. I'm preaching already if y'all ain't in it already. When you are not living by that rhythm, amen, it creates dysfunction in your life. The dysfunction in your life right now is based upon the fact that you stop listening to the music of God, that you stop walking by those ordered steps that he has for you, that you're not dancing off the sheet music he has given to us. The sheet music is the Bible, come on, amen, it's the Word of God, but it's also Christ himself. He's the living Word, and when we don't live by the living Word, we miss the rhythm of, of, of God's Spirit. 
People keep looking for the rhythm in all kind of ways. Find it in, they try to find it in Buddha and Islam. They try to find it in, in, in Hinduism. They try to find it, amen, in, in, in serving the world and, and, and success and sex and, 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 and business, amen. But the only way to find that rhythm, that beginning that said, let there be light, 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 is to get in tune with God. It's to make sure you're one with him. Y'all don't hear me today. Glory to God. The reason why marriages don't work is because we're out of step with him. And we're going to be out of step with him. We're going to be out of step with each other. Marriage works when both couples are together in rhythm together with God. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I'm preaching already, somebody. I'm telling you, let there be light, 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 light. And that's what, that's what I want to preach about today. I want to talk about how to find the rhythm in relationships to avoid the blues, because when you don't, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Let's look at Genesis 2, 23 through 24. We'll jump off there, because I see it even in the beginning here um, in Genesis 1, 1, but I also see it in Genesis 2, 23 through 24, where God brings husband and wife, Adam and Eve, together. And in verse 23 and 24 of Genesis 2, you find these words. If you would stand for the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand, that we don't fall for anything else. And we're thankful for his grace. I'm going to ask you to, um, to, to read along with me here. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So he, he names the animals that God had brought to him. And later, this woman comes to him uh, named Eve, and he calls her woman. Amen. Woo! She's... she's and then verse 24, that is why a man leaves the rhythm of his father and mother. Amen? When you're under the house of your mom and daddy, you got to follow their rhythm. But then you leave that rhythm and you unite to your wife and you become one flesh or one song, one rhythm, one beat. And the beauty of marriage is when you can be in the same beat. Come on. All right. Come on. We, me and Tabitha, we like Luther. Come on, amen. We like... We try, to, we try to move by Luther. Come on, amen. Because I hear that in the spirit. No, that's, all right. This, this okay. <laughs> amen. Amen. But no, no. One flesh, one rhythm, one beat, one tune, one song. That's what Adam and Eve were. And when the snake came, amen, and tempted them, amen, they lost the beat. They lost the rhythm. They lost it with each other. They lost it with God, and they begin to hide. And God spends the entire Bible trying to get us, mankind, back into rhythm with him. Glory to God, dancing to his song. Father, we pray you bless us today. Thank you for your word that is a light unto our pathway. We pray, oh God, that you bless it today. You know what needs to be said. You know who's here. You know who's watching online. You know who's in the room. You know who will hear this a month from now, or a week from now, or a year from now on YouTube. We pray, Father, that you will open up their ears so they may hear what your spirit says today. And I pray you speak to us and speak through me today. In Jesus' name we praise you. And all God's children said amen. 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 You may take your seats in the presence of the Lord. Finding rhythm in relationships to avoid the blues. Now, you know we've been in this series on um, Flex Factor, and we've been following two couples. One couple that we saw last week, if you would, or at least one of the couples who were uh, dating, and they've broken up. Right, And we did messages on how to end a relationship and dealing with all those things. And this was a couple who never was married. But we also have a couple who's married, and we're really fighting for that relationship to really work. They've got some real bad baggage and issues that they brought into the marriage, into the relationship. 
and we've been watching their, their journey. They kind of own a documentary that uh, this is, we, we, Erica Rhoda, uh, who's who our minister of music, who oversees all of our music, she also is a great actress and writes really good dramas. So she's written, so this is written, but it's real life. It, it may be a fictional people, but I'm gonna tell you, it's real life that people go through to be able to find their rhythm once again in their relationship. Let's watch the next episode of The Flex Factor, amen, and this couple, amen, as they try to figure out life. Watch this. All right, Terrence, so what's been going on with you and Michelle? I can tell you what's been going on. The same mess. But he didn't ask you, he asked me. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Someone asked me a question and you just gotta go ahead and insert your own thoughts. Well, I figured you'd lie or try to say I did something wrong, so I jumped in. Always have to control everything, even the conversations. This is ridiculous. No, what's ridiculous is the fact that you still won't let me look in your phone. I'm your wife. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. Chef, why is it so important for you to see what's in his phone? I mean, what do you think he's hiding? He's hiding the conversations he's having with his daughter's mother. And I'm not having him play me again. I will know what's going on before it happens this time. Okay, wait. Lead that. Play you again. What do you mean again? He played me and had a baby when we first got together. I didn't even know that child existed at first. He played me. And now I'm just supposed to accept her and her mother and believe that they have a platonic co-parenting relationship. <laughs> nah. Mm -mm. First of all, that's not even how that happened. When I first met Michelle, over eight years ago, I was seeing other people, but so was she. That's what single people do, date. Anyway, I was seeing this young lady. We were cool, but not super serious. Yes, she became pregnant around the time I started seeing Michelle, but we weren't in a relationship. We had just started seeing each other. Now, at first, I didn't even know she was pregnant. Brianna, that's my daughter. Her mom said that she wasn't sure she was going to keep her at first. Then she kind of hesitated, telling me, because she knew that I moved on and started getting serious with Michelle. But she eventually told me, and I did step up, and I was present for my daughter. Now, maybe I should have told Michelle earlier. I can admit that, but I wasn't even sure what direction our relationship was going to be in, and honest, to be honest. Once I knew we were getting serious, I told her about Bree. I gave her an option to stay or go. I understood that dating a father, especially one with an infant, was, was not for everybody. But we talked it out and decided to try it and see what happened. <laughs> well, we fell in love, we got engaged and got married. My daughter was in the equation from the beginning. Yeah, that's all well and good. But you are way too close to her mother. Y'all always talking, you're always going over there to see Brianna, but I know you're going to see her mom. Y'all don't have any reason to be so friendly. 
And you still cool with their family. I mean, that's not normal. So what? So, so you want me to hate my daughter's mom? You want me to hate her family? Is that what it is? Yes, that's normal. No, that's stupid. That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. She and I didn't work out, but that has nothing to do with our daughter. We were cool before. Why can't we be cool after? We are both mature adults who realize this isn't about us. It's about Brie. So yes, we can be cordial, friends even, and not cross any inappropriate lines. It's called maturity and boundaries. We're grown. She's moved on and so have I. I don't even look at her like that. And it's been eight years. And you knew all of this. You were even good with it at the beginning. At least I thought you was good with everything at the beginning. But you haven't acted like this since before we got married. And I thought we had worked all of this out. So now it's this big, huge issue and you don't trust me. So what really is the problem? Yeah, Michelle, I mean, if this played out exactly the way Terrence said it has and been okay with it up until this point, what happened to change that? I don't know. No, you know what it is. But you're going to have to be honest with yourself and your husband if you really want to save this marriage. Shell, I love you. I do. I love you more than you will ever know. But this, this, this is wearing me out. I imagine getting married to the woman I loved and couldn't live without and staying married forever. But if we can't figure this out, I don't know what else to do. I've never had the urge to walk away from this marriage before, but it's like you're opening the door and just pushing me out. I am fighting for us, but I need you to fight with me and not against me. We don't even sleep in the same bed. Haven't been on a date in God knows how long. No affection, no trust. We can't keep going like this. You won't talk to me. You just talk at me. I'm your husband and not your child. Come on, Michelle. I need you to help me out here. Michelle? I don't know if I can talk about it. There was a time when you could tell me anything. Don't change that now. Why did she get your child and I haven't? What? Why does she get a part of you that I can't seem to sustain? Another miscarriage. <laughs> Whoa. That's real life. And life has hit them in the face and it's got them off rhythm. They started out open and loving one another, one flesh, one song, one rhythm, and then dysfunction happens. And they're not the only couple that goes 
through this. Many of you all here today, amen, you can tell your own stories. And you've lost that rhythm. And that's not what God has. My word to you today is stick to it. Don't just get onto a new song. You've got to, in marriage, we've got to have a little stick to it in this. I mean, there's a lot of bad things that happened in previous generations. They weren't necessarily perfect, but I'm going to tell you one thing. A lot of them, they knew how to just tough it out. And now, man, we just, we, we just gone. I mean, we leave relationships quick. We leave a church in a minute. We'll leave a job in a minute. We'll leave a neighbor. We have, we've lost the ability to connect and stay connected and work through difficulty. Now, I'm not saying that you stay with somebody that's abusive and all those things. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, my God, that, that communicate and talk. We'll deal with that next Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll talk about communication when it's hard and difficult. How do we do that? But you need to know how to last. Uh, they, the research tells us that it's by year 35 that couples really get what we say. They kind of get into a, a major groove. They say take 35 years. It takes a while. It doesn't always have to take that long, but couples at about 35 and over, they, they come to a place where they go, you know what, we got this. It's not perfect, but we, we, we know how to, 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 to dance together and love together, forgive together. Uh, my wife and I, this month, at the end of the month, we'll be celebrating 35 years, so I, I'm thanking God for that. That's 30, like, okay, we finally make it. But I have to confess, we, we made it earlier than 35. You don't have to wait to 35. It can be much young, easier than that if you learn to live by some biblical principles because the longer you marry it, the better it becomes. I promise you, it will. Don't just get out. People get in and out of marriages so quickly. Um, the, the, the research also shows, and this is true, nine to 14 years it takes before you think unselfishly in marriage. It takes somewhere between nine years and 14 years before a couple learns to stop being selfish. A person starts thinking about we, not just me, because it takes the first 14 years for us to change what we want to how do I serve what they might need. After 14 years, you start thinking like a Christian. That's really what I'm saying. It takes about 14 years for both couples, amen, who might be believers themselves, to think like Jesus. To, to realize that I've got to love and care and serve the other person. They just can't serve me. Trouble is that most couples divorce before they get to that 14th year. Till they get to, they get, and then what they do is they go and marry somebody else. And then they repeat the same cycle over and over and over again. Do you hear me today? So they stay with this person seven years or six years, and they got the next one, and that one don't work in six, seven. So now we have couples with, that have been married two and three and four times because they've never learned how to create a rhythm, to create a rhythm, to be able to make it, make it last. Y'all remember the old um, LPs that we used to have on our phone? And you still have it. Some of y'all still have one. I have one, too. I got one back in my office. Uh, LP you put on, and it would get a scratch on it. And when it had a scratch, what would happen? It would keep repeating, right? Yeah, relationships going to get a scratch like that record. Amen. But how did we fix those records when they scratched? You... Yeah, alcohol, all right? We apply some, some oil to it. Come on, amen. All right, I, I got that. What else? What else do y'all do? Put a penny on it. That's what I was waiting on right there. You put it, some of y'all old school, you know, you put a penny on the head of the, of the, of the, um, the needle so that it could weigh it down and keep it to go over the bumps, to go over the scratch so it wouldn't keep repeating. And that's what we have to do. We have to put some weight on our relationship. 
We have to invite the Lord into our relationships and let him, amen, give us some stick to allowing us to be able to stand and, and last. Amen. We all look for love. All of us are looking for love, love of God, of self. We, we have to love ourselves, but we can truly love others. Jesus told us, right? Love others as you love you. Love the family. We want love of friendships. We want all that. We want someone to love us. We want somebody to do life with, to grow old together. We want intimacy. Bishop Jakes calls intimacy, I like, I'll never forget his definition. Intimacy is into me see. Somebody who can see into me and still love me, still care for me. And many of us want that intimacy, but it takes time, it takes effort, it takes sweat and blood <laughs> to get to the place where you can have a relationship that lasts, a relationship that is really one flesh, one song. And, and so we have to pursue that. But in the pursuit of it, we, have to, we make a lot of bad choices and we have a lot of bad, make a lot of bad mistakes and we have a lot of encounters before we find that special person that we might want to do life with. Before Adam had his Eve, before he had his wife, he encountered a lot of beasts. Y'all hear me? A lot of beasts. God told him, brought the beast to him and says, you know, you named the beast. And before he met his wife, he saw a lot of beasts. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hopefully you didn't marry the beasts. A lot of lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, oh my. And in the garden, God did not bring Adam a wife. What he brought him, scripture says, was a helper. And Adam chose a wife. Did you get what I just said? He brought him a helper, amen, and then Adam chose his wife. God brings us a parade of helpers, an array of different people in our life. Uh, I'm speaking to the singles right now, amen, but you have to make a choice of who you choose. And some people say, some people say, um, you know, I, that our marriage is going, they get married and then it doesn't work. See, God never brought us together. And so therefore, you know, we, we don't, we can dissolve this. And, but, but, but no, you might be right. God may not have brought you together, but you chose them. And when you make a choice, God honors your choice. Then your choice becomes a man, what God says that you need to stay with for a lifetime. We here teach and preach marriages for a lifetime. He didn't get us to be married to try out somebody and then go to the next. No, it is, the, it is a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not a contract. Contracts can be ripped up and torn up. Covenants are forever. Covenants, amen, last for a lifetime. And what we've got to do is know, amen, that we have to choose the person. And when you choose the person, God then joins you in that choice to help you to be able to find the rhythm with one another that you can have a divorce that will last. You know, God doesn't make us saved. He doesn't force salvation on any of us. Amen, we have to choose Jesus and you have to choose your spouse. And so it's a choice that we have to make. So in your search for love, you have made some bad choices, dated some wrong people. All of us will encounter a lot of beasts along the way until we choose the right one. And when you do, again, that love must last a lifetime. Amen? And so it's important for us to do that. Some of us, some of y'all, speaking to singles again, you, you keep making the same mistakes in your, in your encounter with other people. You know, you're kind of like me and my wife, we were driving so many years ago before Google and before um, Google Maps and all that stuff would tell you where to go. We were going somewhere in a strange town. I didn't know where we were headed. Uh, she didn't know where we were headed. And I was thinking I knew where. She says, are we lost? I said, no, we ain't lost. I know where. I'm like a typical man, you know. 
I got it. Leave me alone. I got <laughs> and we just kept going. She says, you, you say you know where we're going, but why we keep passing this old man on the bench about the third time? <laughs> a lot of us, that's what happens to us, doesn't it? We keep passing the same stuff in life because we're going in circles. Around and around and around we go. We keep seeing the same thing, experiencing the same hurts, um, going through and attracting the same type of people in our life, marrying the same people if you were into the serial of marrying, dealing with some same issues, wrestling with the same weaknesses in our life. What you have to do and what I'm hoping will happen is that you will break the cycle and that you'll find a new rhythm, amen, so that you can avoid the blues in your life. And you won't be like the children of Israel who just wandered in the wilderness around and around and around because they lost the rhythm of God. You must break the cycle and the rhythm so that you can do what God has called you to be. Come on and do what he's called you to be. Life has a rhythm. I told you that in the very beginning, that God said, let there be light, 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 light. And you got to get in concert with that light. You got to get in step with that light, with that rhythm, with the beat of God, the tune of God. And hopefully you'll figure it out before it's too late. I was with a man who was dying, a man, and he was older gentleman, and he says, I'm dying now, and I finally figured out life, and now that I finally figured out life, it's time to say goodbye. He said, it took all my life to figure out how to do life, and now I got to leave. Boy, that was, that was wake up for me. I was a young man when he said that, and I, I, that just always stayed with me. I don't want to be old and then figure life out. I don't want to be old. I don't want us to be in our 60s and 70s as a couple, and then we finally figure out how to live in peace with each other. I don't want to be an older guy, amen, and then I finally figure out life, and then I'm too old to enjoy it. My brothers and sisters, don't do that. You got to figure it out quicker than you are. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to miss it sometimes, amen, but don't waste any more time. You got you got to get together. And, 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 and in marriage and relationships, amen, it's so important because it's not just who you married, but the season that you are married in or the season that God blesses you in your life. Some of y'all are married now in your 30s and your 40s, amen. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's the sweet spot, 30s and 40s being married and having a partner, being connected to the right person in your 30s and 40s. Man, you're going to make your 50s and your 60s wonderful. But if you spend your 30s and 40s fighting and arguing and dealing with little boy and little girl issues, you're going to miss the season that God can give to you to really be productive in your life, in your manhood, in your womanhood, in your coupleness. Do you hear what I'm saying today? The life you can build for yourself in your 30s and 40s, if you've got the right person, the Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two together can chase 10,000. And what we're trying to do today is try to stop you from being in step and being in tune with the wrong person on the wrong song and the wrong rhythm. And you can, amen, find those singles of you all who have not yet married someone to get you to be able to make sure you're in, in tune with somebody. And if you're married and you're out of tune, to get you back in tune. Because God is the God of resurrection. He's the God of a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And he will help you find his flow and find your flow. Because in your search for love, you need somebody who you can flow with. Somebody who's dancing to your beat. Someone who hears the same melody that you hear. Come on, amen. I'm not saying that you will find that perfect person, amen, when you first find them. They're going to sometimes be offbeat. They may be doing one tune, you're doing another tune. But, but there'll be a way for y'all's tempos to meet. Sometimes you'll hit a bad note, amen, because life is not all disco and it's not all pop. Sometimes it is blues. Sometimes it is country and western. 
But in the midst of your blues, you need someone who will find your rhythm and y'all can start doing life together. I'm gonna tell you, that's beautiful. Do I, can I get at least 10 married couples that say amen to what I'm saying today? All right, okay. There's a couple claps in here, amen. <laughs> that rhythm starts with you knowing God and knowing yourself, being in rhythm with you, knowing your own value. Speaking to singles today, you gotta know your value before someone is going to appreciate that. You gotta know who you are. You, gotta, you can't let a man, the little voices in your head tell you that you're not valuable, you have nothing to offer, and that you just gotta settle for anything. I don't believe in settling for anybody or anything. What you gotta do is you gotta trust the Lord. He has something for you. And you gotta know he's got a calling on your life. That's what we do, that's where we find Jacob. All that was introduction, here we go in the message. <laughs> J Jacob, 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 Jacob knew he had a calling on his life from God. And he knew that in order for him to be successful in what God had called him to do, he was going to need a helper, a partner like Adam had. He going to need a helper like his daddy Isaac had, like, like, like Abraham, his grandfather, had with Sarah. And he realized, I've got to have that. And Isaac, his father, knew that too. And so he sent his servant out to go and find a bride for his son, who's now older. And Jacob is not some little... 15-year-old kid, he's much older. He's in his 20s. Some say in his 30s. Some say he's almost 40 years old. Um, it depends on who you read and who you talk to. But somewhere, let's say he's 28, 29. So he's an older guy, amen, and he's, now it's time for him to be able to find the woman who is going to be with him in his life, amen. And so, so, so you know, and, and he was a little dysfunctional. He didn't have it all together. In fact, Jacob, all of his life was out up until God meets him at the River Jabbok, Jacob is out of rhythm with God his whole life. But his dysfunctions, that his problems started from his childhood all the way up to he's a grown man because he's out of step, not with people, but with God. And he's, when you get to Genesis 32, amen, God says, why are you wrestling with me? He's wrestling with God. God's trying to dance with him and he won't dance. He's trying to fight. He, he wants to lead and God don't want him to lead. And his whole life, Jacob is wrestling with God. From the, from the womb, he's, the Bible calls him a supplanter. His name, Jacob, means trickster, supplanter, liar, manipulator. He manipulated everybody. He lied to his brother, lied to his mama, lied to his father. He's, he's just a terrible guy in a lot of ways. But he's a good man at heart. Don't y'all know some people like that? They, you know, they, they got some issues. Just turn, go on and let the person next to you tell them, you know you sitting next to somebody with some issues. I got a little issue. We all got them. The guy preaching to you right now, we all have issues, so nobody's perfect. But what we got to do is first get in tune with God, make sure that we're in step with him. Amen. That we're, that we're in tune with him. Like Jacob, he's trying to find himself. Jacob is trying to find himself. And finally, he, he does, he finds himself a little bit. He gets a little bit of himself together. He's not totally together when he does find his wife. Uh, Rachel, and then, of course, Leah, and we'll talk about all that in a moment, amen, but, but, but he's, he never lost his connection to God. It wasn't a perfect relationship with God, but he, he still kept it with him, and, um, and he knows there's something that God has for him to do. He knows that he cannot do life alone. I've got to have a partner. Now, let me say something to the men, and it's kind of a bold statement, and you can disagree with it, it's fine, but smart men don't try to do life by themselves. A man, a man should not be alone. God, God created all this in, in, in creation, right? That's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. The only time he ever said anything was not good is when he saw Adam alone. 
He said, that ain't good. And man, let me tell you, it ain't good for you to try to do life alone. I know you macho, macho, macho man. I know it, amen, but the truth of the matter is you're going to need somebody to be with you. Now, I'm not saying you got to get married to get this. Now, it's great. Most men will get married to find that helper or, or to find someone who will dance in the rhythm um, that they have, amen. Uh, but, but, but I'm not saying you got to get married, but, but many times it does come into the, in, it comes in, in the form of a woman, a wife, so you got to choose well who you are going to marry. It's someone who can, you know, dance with you, who can appreciate you being the lead, which means, men, you got to know how to lead. Come on, somebody, amen? So you, you, it's going to take, but even if some of you guys today, we live in a world now, a lot of men don't want to get married. I'm not saying you have to, but you're going to need somebody. You're going to need a group of friends. You're going to need some people in your life who are going to help you be all that God has called you to be. You cannot do life alone. Amen. It's, it's important for you to do that. Now, let me say to, to, to my brothers who say, I ain't going to get married until I'm older or I'm in my 30, 40, 50. I ain't married. I ain't never been married. I don't want to, you know. So I, I find that when the men get about 60-something, 60, 70, then they want somebody because they need somebody to take care of them. They need somebody to rub their feet, rub their back, open up the door, drive them around because they can't see at night. And, and I tell what you, you, you're not looking for a wife, you need a nurse. <laughs> 72 year old brother came up to me at the end of the last service, and I said that. He said to me, He says, Pastor, I had a wonderful wife. She died two years ago. And he says, I, I'm looking. He said, no, What do I need? A wife or a nurse? I said, Man, you need both of them. <laughs> you're 72, you need both. You need a wife and a nurse. <laughs> But Adam needed a helper. Jacob needs a helper. You're going to need a helper as well. And I'm speaking now in, in the form of a woman in your life. Now, again, it might be relationships with others. If you decide to be single your whole life, fine. That's nothing wrong with that. Amen. But if you do decide to be married, it's going to be a, a person of the opposite sex. So this is for men or for women. You're going to need somebody who's going to do what? Um, you know, dance in your rhythm. Um, she is, uh, um, uh, you know, it's important for you to do that. To know that. You need a woman to help to flow with you. He needs a helper. She needs a helper as well. Actually, he needs a helper. She needs a dreamer. She needs a man of purpose. She, she wants to help him with his dream. If, if she's called to be a helper, it means I'm here to help you with what? Because it's hard to follow a parked car. So you can't be parked. You, you, when you find him, ladies, he's going to be moving. He's, he's going to be going somewhere and have some direction in his life. Jacob is that kind of guy. So we come to Genesis 29 30. Genesis 29, 30 and 35 tells us a little bit of what happened. Amen. Uh, prior to this, if you would, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. He, as I said earlier, his dad wanted him to find a wife, so he sends his servant out to uh, go out into the city areas and, uh, and to the countrysides and find him a wife. Find, is there a good woman? Look for some character, a woman of character where the servant goes out and he's sitting at a well and he sees these ladies um, doing work and doing stuff and, and, and there's this young lady and she, um, she is um, really doing well at the well, taking care of stuff and comes back um, and says, I think I found a woman of character. And, uh, and so um, long story short, they end up meeting. Uh, Jacob loves her, not just because she's beautiful, although she is beautiful, he also sees her heart. 
He sees the essence of who she is, and he wants to marry her. But she's got a crazy daddy. His name is Laban. And she has a sister who's a little jealous of her, a little envious of her, because this sister, her name is Leah, is the Bible calls her, it says she's got tender eyes. And, and, and what that means is she probably had cross eyes. She was not physically beautiful as Rachel was. There's something wrong physically with her in some ways, but this woman's got a good heart too. She's a good woman. Nothing wrong with this lady. Um, but he's fell in love. Jacob is falling in love with Rachel. So he goes to Laban, and Laban is a trickster just like, just like Jacob is. Sometime to fix a trickster, you got to meet a trickster. Come on in, man. <laughs> so he meets somebody just like him. <laughs> and he plays him a little bit. And um, he says, okay, yeah, I'm going to let you, get, but you, in order to marry my daughter, you're going to have to work for me seven years. You're going to have to work for me seven years. And, um, and, um, um, and uh, he wants Rachel. Um, and uh, let me just tell you a little bit of background about Rachel. I'll come in seven years in a moment. Rachel, Rachel is, is a beautiful woman, but she has, she has some issues. She has some, 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 some challenges. She's beautiful on the outside, but broken on the inside. She's barren. She can't have children. She is um, not able to produce. She is out of rhythm. Women, you know that you have a rhythm monthly that allows you to produce. And, and, and Rachel's rhythm is off. And it's frustrating when her rhythm is off and she cannot produce. She's fine on the outside, but not happy on the inside. See, the, the one thing she wants most, she can't do and she can't have. Slamming body, but depressed. Long hair like Beyonce. Full figure, but she hates herself. She can't see what other folks see in her. You'll be surprised how many beautiful women, amen, don't like themselves on the inside. And here's Rachel. Rachel. Rachel is that kind of way because her cycle is off. Her rhythm is off. Leah is sad because I don't look like her. And Leah tries to live in the shadow of her sister. Stop trying to run out of people. Run, run out of people. Be like people. You don't know. You don't know that story. You, you know, I want to be like them. You don't know. You want to be like Mike. No, you don't. Leah, Leah needs to find her own rhythm, not try to catch her sister's rhythm. And she, she, she needs to be able to know that God has a beat for her, a tune, a tempo for her too. Rachel is, 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 um, is, is a beautiful lady, but as, like I said, she's got some issues. And Jacob, he wants her. He don't know all her issues yet. Because I'm going to tell you, you don't know all the issues till you marry him. You'll know some things, but you won't know them all, but he still wants her. And, and just because you don't want him don't mean that you shouldn't, amen, you, you, you're supposed to be there to help fix that, to help, to help in the man or the woman, to be able to help them to be whole, to be what they need to be. The, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says the husband's job is to, is to wash the wife with the word, to remove the blemishes, to remove the scars, to be able to fix the hurt in her heart, in her life. That's the job of a husband. 
Her job is to be to help me. Your job is to be the molder, the helper, of, of, to make her whole and if, if, who, who she is. I love, I love the Song of Solomon. In the Song of Solomon, the Shulamite woman that, 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 um, that, that Solomon marries, she, she hates herself. She says, I hate my skin. It's too brown. I've been, I've been burned by the sun. She says, my brothers hate me and my, my father and, the, and my mother and all these people, they don't like me. And Solomon's job in the Song of Songs, when you read it, is to love her to health. And he begins to speak to her with words of the Song of Solomon to heal all that hurt from what daddy didn't do and what mama said and what the brothers did and what the world said because she don't fit the, the, the model, amen, of what a woman looks like. She don't look like the TV or don't look like the magazine, amen. But Solomon loved her to health. Woo! Song of Solomon, bad, y'all. It's a good, good book. That's why it's in the Bible. And, 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 and so Jacob does not know all of Rachel's issues, but his job and our job as a man is to come and to be able to help a man, uh, our wife, to be able to overcome those flaws and those things, amen, that are, that are, that are part of, 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 of what she calls dysfunction, amen. Um, so he has to work seven years for her. He had to meet, meet the, the daddy. The daddy, daddy says, you, you can meet, you can, you can have her, but you're going to have to work seven years for her, all right? Now, uh, there's a couple things here. I, I, I told you this is the hodgepodge message today, okay? So you got to track with me. She says, he got to work seven years for a woman that he loves. I, I want you to know, first of all, he willing to work for her. Don't you, don't you find a man, don't you deal with a man that ain't willing to work. Before God gave Adam a man a wife, he gave him a job. Oh, shook it now. Come on. And this man is willing to work seven years for her. He has to go to the father for permission because back in that culture, like in some cultures around the world today, the, before you go and, go and marry a woman, you have to pay a dowry, if you would, for the husband, for the, for the, um, for the wife, for the girl, the daughter. You have to go to the daddy and you have to ask his permission, can I marry your daughter? And I know y'all don't do that today because sometimes in weddings, the first time the family even meet the husband is at the wedding. I can't tell you how many weddings I've done. And people, this is the first time, oh, cousin, this cousin saw him, but the, I ain't, this, this, oh, this is my husband. I'm like, y'all ain't met yet? Don't, don't y'all do that. You make sure they see your family, you see their family. You, you need to know what you're getting hooked up with. People are very comfortable, amen, not, not doing that. I don't want them to see my, they need to see it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. Take them to the family union. Make sure that they see them. Uh, he has to pay seven years for her is what Laban sets the number. Isn't that beautiful that this woman knows her value? This man loves her enough that he's going to work seven years for me? Oh, man, it turns her into, hey, seven years, I mean, that, that, that right there says something about his love for her, his commitment, his drive, his unselfishness for this woman, that I am going to work seven years for this woman. I love that. We were coming back, Darren and I were coming back from South Africa on our way to the airport and got an Uber um, from where we were staying to uh, the airport. And a young man uh, picked us up in the Uber, nice car, got into the car, always chit-chat with the people in the Uber. 
Um, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got any family? Yeah, I got a son. Oh, how, well, great. How, how long you been married? Oh, I'm not married. I said, oh, okay, seven-year-old, eight-year-old son, um, um, and you're not married? Okay. Darren asked the question, well, why haven't you married him? What, what happened? He, the guy said, um, well, I have to pay 20,000 rand for her, to, to her daddy, so that I can marry her. And so I've been trying to get up the 20,000 rand. Now, most of y'all sit here and go like, 20,000, that's a whole lot of money. That ain't a whole lot of money. Let me translate that into American dollars. That's $1,055. You've been working seven years, you know, impregnated this woman, married her, raising a child, driving a really nice car. You live in a really nice section of town because I asked where he lived. And you, in seven years, have not been able to raise enough, to have enough money to give to her daddy to go and ask permission for her hand. A thousand and fifty-five. I tipped you 20. <laughs> My first thought was, man, that's, this guy doesn't see, he's not. My second thought was, how does this woman feel? I don't even, never met her. How does she feel having a man who, who has, in seven years, can't get $1,000 to give to her daddy? And then my third thought was that this daddy, after eight years, when he come, the price has gone up. <laughs> it's now 40,000, right? And I'm, I might keep moving it up if, he don't really, if he's not really the guy. And he seemed like a nice guy, but he's deceived himself because he thinks, I, I, I have to work to do this. And, and she's settled for it. See, she, she's allowed that. Listen, ladies, a lot of you ladies are allowing, you getting what you are allowing be, be, because, ladies, I need you to know, you, 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 you set the standard. And if the brother is really loving you like Jacob, you raise the standard, he, he, he'll climb up to the standard. That's what happened to me. I'm still shocked today that my wife married me. I scratched my head, I said, how in the world did you marry me? I, she was in, she's a mechanical engineering student at NC State back in the 80s, doing really good. I mean, top of her class, all this stuff. I had been in my sixth school. <laughs> Ain't graduated yet, flunked out of all of them. I had braces in my teeth. I had braces that I did not, I would not pay to get them taken out for nine years. I had braces in my mouth since eighth grade. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my shoes. It was so bad, I would have to go to see her in the dorm and leave my shoes outside. And the woman married me. Because she had a high standard. I know you said, that's real low, would you just say? <laughs> but she, she saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And my brothers and my sisters, hey man, you gotta, you gotta, we gotta still do a little bit better job of of, of, of raising the standard and picking in. This young man, $1,055. So we need to be able to do that, make sure of that. All right. All right. He agrees to work seven years, and um, he agrees to be able to, to, to meet that standard. 
And ladies, I want you to know that you, are, you do have the standard. I'm, I'm, I'm over, over, overriding some stuff that I am trying. I'm looking at my clock. You need to be, as a woman, that suitable helper, that man, as a suitable person as well. You got to be more than lips, hips, and fingertips. You got to bring something to the table, both of you together, to be able to, to, to walk in the rhythm that God has for you. You got to make sure you do that. I know I'm here today because my wife, my wife made me the man that I am today. My, my Lord and my wife. I'm telling you. She, she knew her standard. And she kept that standard. We did not have sex until we got married. Because she had a standard. And I was like, yes, ma'am. I tried. But I respected her standard. It was difficult. We, 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 we almost, I almost couldn't say that. But she kept the standard. She had a standard. She says, I know that you got all these things going on in your life. Amen. But I see something in you. And she's the one who got me back in, into into the things that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing today. She's the one who pulled, she, she pulled out of me some things that I knew that was there, but I didn't know how to pull it, and the right woman can help to unlock that potential in a man. And I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I am an example. And I was able to do the same thing for her, though, to take away some of that pain and that hurt that she had in her heart, that fear that she walked under fear, a cloud of fear and depression. My wife walked under depression, a depressive cloud most of her, her life, just in that whole piece, never feeling adequate enough. And I filled her up to make her know that she is valuable. So that she would go on and we moved to Atlanta and her to go to Georgia Tech to get a master's in mechanical engineering and do the things that she's done in her life and us together. And we've been walking in that rhythm ever since because iron sharpens iron. It's important for you to make sure that you do that, that you, that you are willing to share your sheet music with, 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 hear my sheet music, can you dance to this? This is my sheet music, can you beat, can you rock to this? Because if you can't rock to this, see, I, I got to a point in, in our marriage, when we were dating in the very first, when, uh, uh, our very first date, I had come to a place in my own personal life where I knew I was not looking for a prom date type girl. I didn't want somebody just to date. I knew that God had a purpose and plan for my life, and, and I needed to find somebody who was going to be a part of that and do that. So our very first date, I did what I would not encourage you to do. I told her all the stuff bad about me. Not only do I have smelly shoes, and I got braces on my teeth, and I got all this other stuff, I also just filed bankruptcy. And I, had, I told her every bad thing, and I said, I need you to know all the bad stuff about me because I think there's something in you and I think you think there's something. I mean, we was in the same church, so we knew each other as friends, but this is like dating was a different situation. And I've been, know, I've been knowing her for a little while. She knew me for a little while. I think you're the type of woman, you're the kind of woman that I could live a life with and build a life around. She thought that I was the kind of man and she could do that. And so on the very first real date that we had at Daryl's, over that lasagna, I sat there and I told her all the bad stuff. And she didn't, she didn't flinch. Other girls ran. She didn't flinch, and we stuck, stuck in there, and we made this thing work because we knew that we needed to. It hadn't been easy. We made some major mistakes in our marriage. I'm not trying to present that. Lord knows we had some hard times in our marriage, especially the first five years were rough. We threw around the D word all the time. 
I did. She never did. I threw around divorce all the time. But we grew up, and we learned to be able to hear the music of the Spirit in each other's heart, and we learned to be able to dance together. I'm going to tell you something. It's worth waiting on, y'all. I say all of this, and I'm telling you this, our story a little bit, because I want you to know it's worth waiting on to find that right person. Don't, don't just settle for the, anything. I don't care what your age is. Just make sure you've got some standards, you articulate those standards, and then you expect people to live up to those standards. Don't give your almond joy to a sugar daddy. Don't, don't do it. Don't give your baby roof to a three musketeer. Don't do it. Don't give your M&Ms to a snicker. And please wait to give your Kit Kat to your Mr. Goodbar. Please make sure you do that. I gotta hurry up and get finished this message. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob comes to the process and he's really himself, he's not necessarily wealthy himself. He, he doesn't really have a lot. And sometimes, ladies, you can misjudge a man because he doesn't look like, like I, and I told you my story, because sometimes you look at a guy and you pass on him, but you haven't looked at his heart. You, you don't know what's really inside of him. He don't, you don't know. He, he, on the outside, there might be some rough edges, but you got you to you you go a little deeper, dig a little deeper, see character, see who this person is. Um, and you need to make sure you do that. Because Jacob is a good man. He's a trickster. He's a supplanter. He got some issues, but God's hand is on his life, and he loves the Lord. He is going to get his stuff together. And you got to be willing to be able to work through that. Moses is a great example of this, and I'm going to give you two minutes of this. Moses almost missed his Zipporah. Zipporah is the African woman that he married. Moses was married to an African woman, Jethro's daughter. Moses meets her with her sisters at a well, and these guys are fighting them at the well. They're, they're watering their sheep. And these guys come to, 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 to disturb the ladies. And, and, and Moses is sitting there. He's just run from Egypt. He's running away from Egypt. He's in the desert. He's broke. He don't have no money. He don't have a job. He don't have anything, right? He's looking for God. What is going on? He hasn't seen the burning bush yet. He doesn't know what, God, what life is going to look like. He don't have anything going on with him, right? And he sees these guys messing with these girls, and he defends them. Ladies, you always want a man who's going to defend you, who's going to be a defender, a protector. That's one of the qualities you want. And so, 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 so he, he, he defends the ladies, runs these guys off. Then he says, ladies, go over there in the shade. It's hot. I'm going to water all your sheep. And he spends hours watering their sheep. He does it so fast and efficient that they get back to Jethro, their daddy, early. He says, hold up, y'all back here a year, I mean, an hour and a half early. How in the world did you get here so early? There was a man back there who fought off these uh, bad shepherds who were messing with us. Then he watered all of our sheep while we were in the shade just sitting back drinking lemonade. He said, Jethro said, he ain't with you? Did you, did, did you bring him with you? And then he said, literally, he said, go get him. You had to go back to that well. Because sometimes, ladies, you misjudge a man, a man, because he don't have all the stuff you might think he should have at that time. But, but you have to look a little deeper and know who he is because Moses, a man, became a great leader, as we know. And him and Zipporah end up getting married. And they do great work together because they learn to flow in each other's rhythms. And that's what God wants for you and I. Jacob, Jacob, let me get back to Jacob and close. Jacob, Jacob um, 
goes to bed with the wrong woman because Laban tricks him. The father tricks him, puts the older sister in the bed with him, and the lights are dim, and he doesn't know it's her, and they consummate the relationship. He wakes up in the morning and finds out, here's this lady with these, these, these eyes. These ain't the eyes I thought I was going to meet. And he goes to his father-in-law and says, you tricked me. He says, no, I can't let the older daughter be married. Um, second, you have to take my older daughter before you get my, my, my second daughter, Rachel. And for seven more years, I'll let you have her. And, and he agrees to work another seven years for Rachel. And he gives her, him, Rachel, gives her uh, to him right then. And then he works another seven years. He works 14 years for her. And then he works another seven years for income. When he, when, when he does something with Laban for sheep, the black sheep and the spotted sheep and the white, all this kind of stuff that happens if you keep reading. So he works really like 21 years to build his life and build his family for this woman. Come on, amen? And, 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 um, and, and they have this, this great relationship. Um, and they have challenges, they have struggles. Uh, and I, I wanna close with Leah because Rachel and Jacob got their issues and we can go and talk about a lot of them, but I just wanna close with Leah because Leah is the first wife, and she's the one who, who, um, who, who's the sad person in this whole story. Rachel eventually gets a son. She's able to have a, a child and able to produce. She gets a rhythm, and she's able to produce a child a little bit later, actually two, Joseph and Benjamin. And, uh, and so that's great, amen. But what about Leah? What, 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 that's a great, because, you know, we usually end the story on Jacob and Rachel, Happy ending, look at what happened. Jacob and Rachel figured it out. Jacob wrestles with God at the river Jabbok and he gets his life together and he's turned from Jacob to Israel, prince of God. He becomes the man that Rachel knew he could always be. He becomes the man that his daddy Isaac wanted him to be. His grandfather Abraham wanted him to be. He is the man and he's got this great woman beside him, Rachel, and whoa, they build a life together. And that's the story and everybody goes, yay! But what about Leah? Because here's sad eyes. What about her? Is her life sad, her whole life too? She still wants to connect to him. That's my husband. I'm his first wife. Even though it was a trick and it's wrong and he was deceived, I'm still his wife and he owes me. And so she wants a relationship with him. And so in chapter 29, verse 30 through 35, and I'm not going to... They'll maybe put it on the screen for you, but Jacob loved Rachel more, it says, and, but Rachel, a man, uh, is still childless. And Leah uh, uh, wants to connect to, 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 to Jacob because she's trying to find love too. See, I want to close this message with the Leahs in the room and the Leos in the room, the men and women in the room who feel like I, I'm not the one who has the happy ending all the time. What about me? Well, what you don't want to do is try to make somebody be what they can never be to you. You don't, you don't, listen, you don't lose you trying to find somebody else. Don't do that. Because this is what Leah did in verses 30 through 35. What she ends up doing is she gets, she gets have children for him. And, and the naming of the children tells us the struggle she's having. Her first child is Reuben. Jacob it's interesting, he keeps having sex with a woman that he don't love. And men, that's another sermon. Stop having sex with women you don't love. That you are not gonna be, oh, ladies. That's another sermon, I don't have time. 
J Jacob, Jacob has sex with her, has the first child, Reuben. Reuben's name means see me. See me. It's, it's, it's Leah saying, I, if I have a child for him, if I give him what he wants, if I like, because that's huge, a man having a child, that's it, and a male child, oh, that's it. If I give him a child, I give him what he wants, he'll see me. But he doesn't. So she has another one. And she names him Levi, I mean, excuse me, Simeon. Names him Simeon. And Simeon means hear me. And she's saying, if he hears me, if he hears me, if he sees me, oh, he and if he hears me, and, and, and he doesn't, he doesn't love her. So she has a third child, and she names him Levi. Levi means attached to me. It means connect to me. I need him to connect to me. What do I need to do to let this man love me? And he doesn't love her. He loves Rachel. And so she has a fourth child. And she changes the name in the present. In the nine months of the pregnancy, some metamorphosis happens in Leah's spirit. She said, wait a minute. I keep going through the same circles. I keep having the same rhythm. I got to break this cycle because I keep trying to make a man love me and see me and hear me and attach to me. And I don't need this anymore. So by the time she gives birth to her fourth child, she names him Judah, which means praise the Lord. Because she says, you know what? I'm going to praise God. I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to get in step with him. I might be out of step with, with Jacob. I might be out of step with my daddy Laban. But I'm going to go for God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says when she had her fourth child, she stopped having kids. She quit. I'm done. I'm going to connect to his rhythm. And whatever he wants from me, I'm going to trust that he can bring into my life. And I'm going to stop trying to please people who don't care about me, who don't love me, who only use me for their pleasure. Praise the Lord. Because when you find God's rhythm and you get into his light, 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 when you allow him to be able, hallelujah, to come into your, into, into your life the way he wants to come, man, your life is so different. It will be so different. You don't need a man. You need the man. And you don't need to be the man. You need to meet the man. Because when you meet him and you know him and he lives in you, whoo, my brothers and sisters, you can dance to his beat. And you'll hear his tempo. And you'll walk by his tomb, and you'll be saved, and you'll be whole, and you'll be kept. Let's give God a shout of praise. Right. Would you stand to your feet as we get ready to go today? But before we go, I want somebody to hear the music of the Spirit, to be able to dance by God's holy beat. I call it the holy dance. I wish I had time to teach y'all the holy dance. Some of y'all been around, how many of y'all been around the church long enough? Y'all, y'all, I've, ta I've taught a message called the holy dance. Y'all, amen. All right, a couple of y'all, amen. We might do that one day this year, amen. So we know how to dance in the rhythm of God. Step down in prayer. Step back in reflection. Step out in faith. Step up in commitment. Step over, amen, people who try to hurt you to step into the glory of God that he has for us. That's it, I'm telling you. God teaches that rhythm everywhere. It's all through the Bible. I show you in that sermon how it's all the way from Genesis to Revelation. It's that step. It's those six steps. 
It's the same moves of Abraham, same moves, amen, that Moses had to do, that Joshua had to do, same moves that carried and kept, amen, David, that carried Elijah, the same moves, amen, that resurrected Peter from his sinful state, amen, and it's the same hope that you and I have to dance with the Spirit of God. I want you to do that today. I want you to know him. His, his name is Jesus, y'all. It's, it's not Confucius. It's not Muhammad. It is Jesus. And unashamedly, I profess his name and I confess his name because he's the one who changed my whole life. He changed me inside out, out and in. He can do the same thing for you. Do you hear him? He's calling you right now. Jesus says, the day you hear my voice, I should say, the day you hear my song, harden not your heart. Don't dance to the new music. Satan's always going to have new songs, new music out there. But you need to give your life to him today. If you're here right now, would you come? Man, woman, boy, girl, come while you have time. In Jesus' name. Online right now, if you're online, we want you to make a difference in your life by just doing the most important thing you'll ever do, and that is giving your life to Jesus Christ as Savior. Make that step right now. Thank you for joining us today. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey with Christ, we want to celebrate with you. We also have some resources to help you on your journey. To find out more about Peace Baptist Church, head over to our website at thisispeace.org. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Peace.